In the words of Ron Swanson, there's only one thing I hate more than lying. Skim milk. Which is water that's lying about being milk. These words are both hilarious and true, and it's easy to say that we're something that we're not. We try to pretend that our lives are perfect, and a lot of times we try to pretend that they're without struggle. And sadly, this is lying. Today, we're talking about how anxiety convinces us to act like we have it all together. So let's be honest, let's quit faking, and let's get trying. Welcome to this episode of the Anxious Pastor Podcast. Today, we're continuing our three-episode series on being anxious and faking it. And in our last episode, we talked about hiding our pain. Now, pain is the root cause of our insecurities. It, It breeds our anxiety. And I feel that it's important for us to take a couple minutes and recap what we talked about in our last episode. And if you haven't done it already, I hope you'll still go back and take a listen to that last episode. But here are a few of the key points that we covered. So it's like this. Pain leads to insecurity. And insecurity leads to lies we believe. Lies we believe leads to self-medication or numbing. Do you try and fake your way through life, hiding all that's really underneath the surface, I challenge you to take a real hard look at yourself and ask the question, what's really going on deep inside me? So to do this, I want you to answer these two questions about yourself. Number one, are you afraid that you are not good enough? Number two, do you feel like you are loved? I thought it would be good for us to have an idea of some of the things that we discussed in the last episode so that we could work off of that and move forward with today's topic. And now this episode in particular, we're addressing how we fake it when we're trying to be someone that we're not. And this is probably the more obvious episode in this series, not because it's less important, but because we get away with it the most. And think about this for a second. Each of us at some point have struggled with trying to be someone that we're not, especially out of our anxiety. So if our pain is the root of our faking it, then being some that, someone that we're not is the vehicle our pain uses to mask ourselves. I'm probably the master of trying to be someone I'm not. And because this happens in my own life, it, it causes me to be confused about who I, I really am. Have you ever stopped, and this is something I had to do, have you ever stopped and sifted through your character? You know, take inventory of the attributes you display on an everyday basis. Uh, Are there some qualities there? Are there some qualities about yourself that make you ask the question, how did that get there? Uh, Well, jealousy is one of the things that, that has came out of my pain. Growing up, I had a really good friend that was so cool. He he wasn't like everybody else, and he wasn't an athlete or some mind-blowingly popular person, but he was an amazing artist. Even from my earliest memories of his drawings, I just remember being amazed at what this kid could do and, and could take from his mind and put on a piece of paper. 
He and I went to school together literally from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And particularly during our middle school years, I found myself becoming jealous of how people would respond to his artwork. See, the other side of the story is I wasn't too bad at drawing myself. So naturally, when someone got the attention over me, I can see now how I became jealous out of my insecurities. And I can trace back to that season of my life and how it made me try to be someone that I'm not. I tried to be better than my buddy, and, and, and I tried to be the quote-unquote artist, but ultimately, I was just faking it so that I could fit in. And my friend was such a cool dude and didn't deserve my jealousy. So Adam, if you're listening to this today, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my jealousy. I'm sorry for not uh, encouraging your amazing gift. And I apologize. Isn't it funny how even as adults, we struggle with the same things we did as kids on a playground? We all act like it's different now, but let's be honest, it's not. We want to feel wanted. We want to be liked. We want to fit in. I think this is probably the most relatable part of this faking episode, and here's why. We were designed to fit in. We were designed to be a part of the tribe, and if we don't fit in, we scratch and claw our way back into the tribe by any means necessary. When I'm anxious, my defense is on high alert, and it, it grabs for anything it can to survive. If, if I feel like I'm not fitting in, that's when humor or someone else's expense becomes my scapegoat. It helps take the focus off my pain and returns uh, returns that feeling that I'm fitting in. Let's talk for a minute about humor. First off, I have to say that I believe humor is both therapeutic and life-giving when done in a healthy and uplifting way. My problem with humor resides when we use it to tear others down. When we use it to make ourselves look better at the expense of someone else. And can we be honest for a second? Please, let's just be honest. We all laugh at it. We're okay with someone being the butt of a joke, but they sure as heck better not make fun of us. Our current American culture kind of desensitizes us to uh, what humor can do to a person. Shows like Saturday Night Live, sitcom shows, all those kind of teach us what we should think is funny. Again, I want to reiterate, I am not anti-humor or anti-media. Trust me, I love funny shows, funny movies, but I also have to evaluate what I'm consuming and what it's teaching me about how to love or not to love people. And if you're the victim of this type of humor, then, then you've probably felt alone. And I can tell you it's dangerously isolating when you don't feel like you fit in. We step out into the world and we want to be included and we want to be valued. But what does the world do in return? Well, sometimes it might actually give us validation, but a lot of the times it runs us through the ringer and every day we're left weaker and weaker asking the question, why did I even try? Broken humor will do this to you. So please consider if your humor is building others up or if it's destroying someone's world. And again, if you're a victim of this type of humor, speak up for yourself and treat people the way that you want to be treated. I have a man crush on Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Rogers, and I'm not afraid to tell you that. 
I think he was such a blessing to our generation. And I love this quote by him. It says, everyone longs to be loved. And the greatest thing we can do is let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. He doesn't say anything about tearing people down. He says everything about loving people. Another way we try to be someone we're not is by our use of knowledge. Now, when I say knowledge, I'm not talking about or just talking about how smart you are. While we can use that, I'm talking about how we use knowledge or information to make ourselves look good. One example of this would be gossip. You know, those water cooler conversations you have about Jane and her marriage, the conversations you have about how you heard your cousin lost his job, or even how your friend lost her baby. Never use someone's tragedy to protect yourself from your own. I want you to hear that. Never use someone's tragedy to protect yourself from your own. The saying knowledge is power is so true, and the burden of this power is that it can be dangerous. It's dangerous when we use it to make ourselves look important because we have a piece of information or news. I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and they mentioned how they feel like so many of their friends use information and knowledge against them. If they knew something about you, they can hang it over your head or or make themselves look powerful because they have that piece of information about you. This drives us to be untrusting, and, and it makes us not want to connect or share with anyone whom we can't trust. Don't use knowledge to deflect people away from your pain and onto someone else. And how about those people who are what we call one-uppers? Every time you tell a story, they have a better story. Some would argue that maybe they're just trying to relate with you, but it's obvious when someone is more concerned about what they can share than what you have to say. They're waiting for you to shut up so that they can talk. And they'll name drop. That's another thing they do. And they'll say, you know, I was at the mall the other day and I saw Justin Bieber. Okay, that really isn't that cool, first off. And we don't care. Here's why I can make fun of those people who name drop and one up because I do it too. I want to be liked. So I share some random story that happened to me or in proximity to me in hopes that others will see me as cool and as valuable. I use knowledge to help me feel accepted. One other way that we try to be someone we're not is in our pursuit of getting ahead. Now, this one may be extreme, but it does happen. Out of our pain, out of our fear, we feel like we aren't good enough. Because of this, we will fight our way to the top to prove that we are good enough, even though we're actually a bunch of fakers. For you, it may be getting ahead in your career, and you'll run over whoever gets in your way. It could be in your relationships, and you use them to get the things that you want or think that you need. Or it's the Joneses that live down the street who have always had the best Christmas lights and you have to beat them this year or your life is over. (laughs) We continue to be someone we're not when we seek value and acceptance by any means necessary. So let's recap. Us fakers struggle with fitting in. And because of this, we use knowledge to help us feel loved. 
We also have a tendency to steamroll people just to get ahead and provide ourselves with validation. Now, like we mentioned in the last episode, we have to dig up the pain that drives us. It's the core of these faker tendencies that we have. And until we rid ourselves of the pain, we're going to keep coming back to feeling unaccepted or without love. And I think a way we can put some weed killer, for lack of a better term, on this pain is by practicing being genuine. And I can see the look on your faces now. Well, duh. Of course, being genuine would help. But that's hard to do. Yeah, you're right. It is hard. It's harder than you think. And it's going to take a lot of work. But let's look at it because it's what's required. If pain were the sickness, Caring for others would be the medicine I'd prescribe for us to use. That may be a letdown answer for you, but it works because it's fighting against our self-centeredness. So we have to care for others. When I was researching this idea, I came across many articles about how you have to love yourself first before you can love someone else. While I agree with that statement in certain circumstances, I think we get too caught up in ourselves and it further distances us from true love. Now, just have an open mind for a second. Love requires us to be sacrificial. It requires us to give up something. It requires us to put someone else's needs before ours. Imagine for a moment that you're standing in front of a mirror. While you're standing there, someone approaches from behind and you direct your attention toward them. What happens in that moment? Your eyes adjust. They focus on the other person and it blurs the view of yourself. See, if we stand in front of the mirror focused only on ourselves, we miss the beautiful opportunity to see and love on others. And do you know what else happens when we do this? We start to love ourselves because that sacrifice was for someone else. And it reminds us that we aren't meant to be alone. So here are some practical ways we can care for others. Now, I want to say this first. These are muscles that you have to exercise. You won't see results just doing it half-hearted or doing it one time. Number one, listen before you speak. This one can be so difficult because our minds are constantly processing A lot of the times when someone is talking to us, we're thinking about everything going on around us or what we're feeling. What are you doing right now as you're listening to this podcast? Are you actually listening to what I'm saying or are you feeling and thinking and moving and churning and whatever it may be? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to prove a point. Anyway, this practice requires a lot of self-control. We must first put ourselves in that person's shoes. So if they're telling you a story about how someone betrayed them, then put yourself in their situation and sympathize with what it feels like to be betrayed. It's important to communicate that we care for what they're saying. So keep eye contact. This is so important. Be aware of what your posture is communicating. Studies say that 93% of all communication is nonverbal. And finally, make sure you're actually listening. Hear them out. Care about what they're saying. Don't worry about what you need to say next because most people just want to be heard. They just want someone to listen. 
This can go a long way for both you and them. Number two, celebrate life with others. I recently have been re-watching Friends on Netflix in my spare time. I was late to the Friends party. I didn't really watch the show when it was out or uh, even until a couple years ago. But during this time, this time watching the show, there was something that stood out to me about how the characters interacted with one another. They truly cared about what was going on in each other's lives. When Ross went through a divorce, his friends were right by his side. When Joey got a role on a TV show, they were literally genuinely excited for him. Now I realize this is just a TV show, but maybe we could learn something from them. Maybe we should be a lot more invested in each other's lives. We should celebrate when someone has just had a baby like it was our own. We should praise couples who make it another year of marriage. We should be excited when someone gets a promotion at work. We all want to be loved, and we want to feel like we aren't doing this crazy journey alone. When I was in college, I had a friend named Daniel. He was an incredible guy, and man, this dude could sing. Daniel was the type guy that really didn't need a ton of attention. He was just a good friend, no drama or anything. One year in particular, he called me and asked me a random question. I I picked up the phone, I said hello, and the first words out of his mouth were, do you like the office? I I, I said, what? Because I didn't really know what he was talking about. He said, you know, the TV show, The Office. Finally, I got it, and and I said, "Oh, oh, yeah, Daniel, it's a pretty funny show. All he said back to me was, cool, all right, bye, And, and he hung up the phone. I remember thinking to myself, wow, that was was a great talk, Daniel. Uh, And I just chalked it up to Daniel being Daniel. But about two hours later, there was a knock on my door. And I opened it to see Daniel standing there with a Kmart bag in his hand. He handed me the bag and he said, happy birthday. All right. Uh, First off, it's not my birthday. Uh... But I opened the bag to find the first season of The Office on DVD. I'm so confused at this point. And I said, Daniel, today isn't my birthday, bro. Why why did you give me this? And he looked at me and he said, actually, today is my birthday. And I just wanted to bless the people who have blessed my life. And I found out later that he did that with about seven or eight other people. I'll never forget that story because Daniel wasn't looking in the mirror at himself. He was looking at me. And this is how we celebrate life together. This is how we love one another. Number three, carry others' burdens. Often we get so caught up in our own humanness that we forget that others are human too. They struggle like we do. They're insecure like we are. They have people they love and they have people that they have a hard time loving. And I remember the first time I sat with Jerrica, my wife, when she had just lost someone close to her. It was so hard, but it showed me that people need one another. They need us to be selfless to help carry the burden. This world can be a dark and cold place. We have to be rays of sunlight that people need when they're deep in the storm. We need to help them know that they're not alone. 
I want to take a moment and challenge those of us who call ourselves Christians. When we see someone in sin or when someone confesses a sin to us, we should not push them away. We should not condemn them or cast them out. We should walk with them. We should get up under their arms and help them walk out of the valley. We can do this by not being judgmental or critical. We can do this by helping them seek a strategy that can bring healing to their lives and by holding them accountable to it. And that accountability is important. I'm not talking about letting people run all over you, but I am saying we have a tendency to throw people to the curb just because they're struggling. I believe all of these are ways that we can push back against the urge to try and be someone that we're not. I've definitely not mastered this, and I, and I have had glimpses where I get to see who I really am, but I think it's so important for us to cling to that and fight the liar in our head telling us that we have to be someone else. As this episode is coming to a close, I want us to take a moment and just remember that oftentimes we aren't as bad as we think we are. Remember, pain leads to insecurity. Insecurities lead to lies we believe. Don't let those insecurities convince you that you're a lost cause. God has so much in store for your life if you let him. Let today be the day that you embrace the truth about who you really are and how blessed you are. Hear these words and and take them to heart. This is from 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. We were created in his image That's awesome to me. We don't need to be fakers because who God made us to be is so much better than any faker we could try to be. Hey, as we finish up, I'm really needing your help. Getting a podcast out there for the world to hear is extremely difficult. You just don't realize there are so many podcasts out there and for people to be able to find it, it can be really difficult. So here's how you can help please rate, please review, and please share this podcast on social media. Share it with your friends and family, even with your coworkers. I believe with all my heart, God wants people to hear that they're not alone, that anxiety is something that can be worked through. And I can't do this alone. I'm I'm only one person and I really need your help. Also, if you can join and share the Anxious Pastor community group that we have on Facebook, that's another way I believe we can build an honest, ongoing conversation, but we need people to join it and we need people to participate in furthering the dialogue. And finally, don't forget about the anxiouspastor.com where we have a bi-weekly blog with additional topics. Sharing all of these things would really bless my heart. So thanks for joining us today. Please share. Let's dig in and let's get trying.